scope change it Why they don't share this? Who else know this? I smell rodents I'ma shake the globe till they feel it Why the world make me feel misguided? I can't hide it I'ma shake the globe change it Why they don't share this? Who else know this? I smell rodents I'ma shake the globe till they feel it What's up everybody? This is the Misguided Podcast We intend to guide you to a better future The purpose of this podcast is to do exactly that We will dive deep into the stories of entrepreneurs and highlight what makes them successful, but also pinpoint mistakes they've made and how to improve them. Our goal is to make you start thinking about building generational wealth through business. I hope you enjoy, and if you do, please rate this podcast and leave a review. And now, let's get started. What's up, everybody? My name is Jawan Rohan, and this is the Misguided Podcast, where we intend to guide you to a better future. I'm sitting here with Chris Marlowe, and he has a crazy story. Um, I actually found this guy on TikTok. Um, He posted a video, and I responded like, I would love to learn more, and we are going to get into his story. Um, So, Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I appreciate you inviting me out. Yeah, no, I appreciate you responding. I'm sure, did a lot of people hit you up after? Oh yeah, <laughs> hundreds of messages. Yeah, people want, people are interested. They they look at me and they don't they don't think they don't think about it being true. So yeah, dude, like no, not at all. I looked at your. I was like trying to find more information, and then like you didn't really have much information. So it was like it made the mystery even more. You know, from the TikTok, it was like, oh shit, I gotta find out who this guy is now. It's like it's like a puzzle. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, cool. I appreciate you coming up here. I'm sure my audience is going to be um, ecstatic to hear and kind of hear your story. So let's go ahead and get into your story. Um, and before we do, um, Chris served, you know, go ahead and say how many days it was. How many days? Uh, 4,206 4, days in Louisiana State Prison. Just shy of 12 years for um, shooting someone at, at a bar, correct? Or uh, Yeah, essentially. Bar. Yeah. Um, and Chris was a security guard there and he's going to explain kind of um, his story, the system and what he's doing now um, after prison 12 years later. So, OK, where are you from, Chris? Uh, so I was born in Germany. I was an army rat and uh, lived all over the world, ended up joining the army after 9-11 in 2002 and uh, did four and a half years and got out and decided to move to the great state of Louisiana. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, oh man, that's a that's a crazy move. Why not like Cali or New York or like or like even like Nashville has the military stuff like so when you're young, I was I was I joined the army at 17. I got out at 21. And when you're that age, your money is really, really important to you. Yeah. And uh earning a quick dollar is really important. And my friend had a job down there and he said he was making six fifty a day. And oh, and shit. Six, back in the six, day, that's six hundred and fifty dollars of legal money. So yeah, yeah. I ran, I ran to it, you know, and that was dumb. <laughs> what what was the what was the six hundred and fifty for? So it was uh five hundred dollars a day uh, as a salary paycheck to do armed security all around the French Quarter and in the business district. Okay. This is after Hurricane Katrina. And then $150 a day is per diem where they pay you to live, sleep, That's eat. Crazy. That's crazy. Like, oh my God, I definitely would have did that. Like back in the, what, what year, yeah, what year was this? 2006. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So you're making all this money at this time. Uh, what are you doing with the money? At that time I was putting it back. I was trying to buy, you know, saving for a vehicle they had that brand new chrysler 300 came out and i was yeah. looking awesome right yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was like the the poor man's phantom you know and then yeah yeah i was really wanting it and then of course being military you go on trips and you know buy guns and all the stuff you don't really need <laughs> yeah. yeah all the all the, the the stuff that goes on the guns make it look nice right and... oh yeah yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I got to look like a transformer. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, cool, cool. Okay, well, let's let's go ahead and get into to your story a little bit. So, um, actually, let's let's touch up. So, so you get that job, and um, and then and then what happened? What what while you're while you're working? Where where does where does the story connect? So I was working for FEMA as a con- as a basically subcontracted security guy and okay. uh, a rent a cop a rent a cop with a bunch of guns and. Okay. 
I go downtown. I work a night shift. It was like a rewarded shift. And this guy shows up with a 0.253 blood alcohol level, which is three times the limit. You know, mm-hmm. he's obviously impaired. Uh, mm-hmm. He had he ended up testing for cocaine and effexor in his blood. And he just, he came in with a hooker, but you know, that ain't really that big of a deal. I was a soldier. So uh, I told him he needed to leave. You know, our money, our ATM was actually broke. Told him to go get his money somewhere else. Well, he felt played. He was a, uh, how do I say this? He was a real clean cut, square jawed white kid. Okay. You know? He's like like 30 year old dude. But he felt really played that. I said, hey, she's go get your host some money. (laughs) (laughs) So he felt insulted, decided to get lippy and uh, ended up in a pushing match. And then he when he punched me, you can't punch a guy with a gun. And when I go to arrest him, the gun came up. I put tried to put him against the wall. We wrestled for it, it went off and it shot him in the face. Okay. Okay. So, um, so you weren't originally going to shoot him after he punched you, right? No. It, it just like, no. you were trying to arrest him. him. It was like, right. I, I told him to get against the wall and he was uh-huh. like, no, no. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, straight up. No. no. <laughs> Drunk. <Right>. No. <laughs> right. Uh Oh, you know, what yeah. do you do? You know, he wasn't small. You know, he was my size. He was a linebacker at Ole Miss. Like he wasn't no tiny dude. Oh wait. I didn't know right. that. Oh Jesus. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, yeah, so okay. it wasn't just some like aren't we? Could, I couldn't thumb thumb wrestle him down, you know. Yeah. So so um so how so the gun you said when you guys were wrestling the gun came out and and then you I I pulled the gun. Okay. It, you know you pull a gun it's intimidating you have a pistol yeah. in your hand yeah and uh yeah. that didn't mean shit so he decided to run at me and whenever I turned away he had his hand on the muzzle and when it went off the bullet hit him in the chin came uh-huh. out of his cheek. Shit. And yeah, okay. I rendered first aid. I sat on, you know, I held him down, called an ambulance. And okay. That didn't mean that didn't mean anything to them. No, nah, yeah. And then okay, so um, this happens, and then um, let's talk about what happens kind of next in, in the story because I know um, as we were talking before, you were you were out on bail for four years, which is insane. About almost almost four years. They, I was on a originally like a hundred thousand dollar bond and they let me out so you pay 10 percent, let you out on bond okay and i tell the judge hey i don't live here i'm from texas and i go to i go to texas and then i go to emt school and then i moved to indiana and i go to flight school for three and a half years get engaged you know i close on a house and well, moving on you know i'm thinking i'm gonna get off of this yeah the guy was a, a drunk crazy idiot and uh, you know, I am culpable because I was a crazy vet or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But then I was convicted. You know, they convicted me with a non-unanimous jury in New Orleans. Go ahead and explain that real quick for the for the people who don't who don't know. So non-unanimous juries existed um, post the six post the Civil Rights Act, right? Post 1965 mm-hmm. in only two places, Louisiana and Oregon. The reason they exist was the Jim Crow laws. In the 1800s, the Supreme Court of the United States said black people have to have at least two blacks on their jury so that it's a jury of their peers so that if they're innocent, you have a, if you have 10 racially biased whites on your jury and you still have two blacks that are being legit, you still will not get convicted because you have those two people saying not guilty. Well, Louisiana decided to change their state law to say that those two people don't count. So if you have 10 whites and two blacks, it doesn't count. That was why that whole law was formed. And they held it up to this year, 2021. No, they just got rid of it right now? Because of me. Because of me and about 1,500 other inmates. That's crazy. Wow. Um, Yeah, okay. Wow, that is – yeah, I didn't know they got rid of it this year. Then that's that's amazing. Um, Okay, cool. So – you, you pretty much move on after this incident happens. What year did this happen? 2006. 2006. And, uh, in 09, I get convicted in, in, in September of 09. And it, whew, they, yeah. uh, they were talking my sentencing because they charged me with originally with battery. They upgraded it 18 months later to attempted second degree murder. And that was a shocker. 
and you never really understand because nobody goes around knowing laws and the, the, the penalties of the laws. You know, you uh-huh. shouldn't have something in your pocket. You know, you shouldn't, you know, flash a gun at a store, but you never know what comes behind that. Right. Mm-hmm. So battery, I didn't know what that meant. I just know it meant you hit somebody. Uh, was a zero to 10. You can have zero, which is probation, all the way up to 10 years in state prison. And then they upgraded it to attempted murder, which held 10 years minimum, all the way up to 50. So you get 50 year sentence in prison. And the thing about attempted murder, there's a thing called a responsive verdict. And this is in a lot of states. So you get one charge, but the DA and the jury have an option to convict you of three different things. You have a not guilty, but you can be convicted of attempted murder or attempted manslaughter or aggravated battery. So they have, it's leaning 75% that you're going to get guilty because it makes the jury, it's it's all mental and psychological warfare with them. Mm -hmm. It makes them think, well, he has so many options of being guilty. He can't be not guilty. So they're going to get you on something. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. Okay. So... You're going through you're going through the, the process and everything. Um, can you explain a little bit maybe what your attorney's game plan was versus their attorneys? I know you said that the guy's family was kind of on the rich side. Um, you want to? Yeah, they were a little they were a little well off. Um, his brother was a lieutenant in the sheriff's department, and I mean they were just they were tied in. I'm not from New Orleans. They're from New Orleans. My lawyers were like, "Look, we're going to go with the truth. We're going to run with the self defense theory." And I had my first, I had two trials. On my first trial, I had a five to seven hung jury and they sent me home. And I didn't tell you that earlier, but yeah, I didn't get convicted. I was mm-hmm. sent home free. You're free. Yeah. You didn't get convicted. Well, the judge called it a mistrial afterward and brought me back for another, a retrial. Why a mistrial? Had, what was that? Because evidence? they couldn't, they didn't convict me. Oh, okay. They can try you. They can try you up to three times. You can win twice. Uh-huh. And they get the third chance, right? So we won the first trial. The judge says that doesn't count and brings me back, right? They already know my game plan. We went with the truth. Yeah. Well, they changed their entire but against my evidence against the the testimonies and they won and they won an 11 to one conviction. Jesus. So you go five to seven and then 11 to one. That is, that's insane. Right. Okay. So you're, 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 um, were you, was your time like 12 years and you did or 15 years and you did less or was it actually 12? You did the full amount. I had a, I had a 20 year sentence. Oh my God. Right. So my dad flew in from Afghanistan. My mom drove in from uh, Texas. She was a school teacher. My dad was a soldier. And the judge slammed it down and said, I'm going to sentence you to 20 years at hard labor with no probation, no parole and no suspension. So it's going to be 20 years um, in Louisiana. Unlike a lot of other states, when you serve that at that time, you would serve 85 percent and do the rest on parole. So I had to do 17 and some change years. Uh-huh. Uh, because I kept appealing my situation and I had a non-unanimous jury and I mm-hmm. jumped on that lawsuit whenever Ramos from Angola started it, we all jumped in with him. Well, when they overturned it, I was of the first, I was one of the first 15 people they let go. That is insane. Jesus. Because they, they handpicked people to let go. Now they, they, they went through everybody's cases and found out, you know, which convictions were bullshit which conviction, which guys won't be a risk when they go home. Yeah. They're not, they're not going to let, they're not going to let go a serial killer, Derek Todd Lee, or uh, a guy named Ricky Langley who like boiled a kid alive. Like you, they're not going to let go home psychos. They're going to let yeah. go, people go normal or who had a fucked up charge. Yeah. That's crazy. Jesus. Okay. Um. So you, so you find out that you're getting out, um, and what, what's kind of like the first thing, like, man, 12 years is a long time. So when, and how old were you when you went in and how old were you when you got out? I was 24 when I went to prison. I was 36. I'm 36 now. I got out in, on April 1st, April Fool's Day. They let me out. Wait, of this, of, of 2021? I just got out. What the? F- 
Jesus, I thought you, I thought you were out for like a year or two at least. That no. is insane. Oh, you're fresh, yeah, dude. Fresh, fresh. Oh shit! So you don't even like you like, and you're. This is like weird because it's after the pandemic, so the whole world is kind of weird right now, and like it's one hundred percent different. Nothing yeah. is the same. Nothing is the same. And you're in a fucking hurricane. We didn't even talk about that. You're in Louisiana right now. Right. Are you? Are you okay? Well, I'm in. I'm in East Texas. I have oh, a yeah, actually. Okay. I'm housing. I'm housing some refugees at my house. Uh, some friends from from prison. That's called crazy. me up and said, man, my mom is stuck. Can you get her? And I went down there and I got her. She's at the house right now. Okay. Okay, so, damn. You form, you form real friendships in there. Like, people, it's not what everybody, it's not the movies. It's not everybody poking each other up with sharp metal. It's, uh, <laughs> you, you form kind of a brotherhood. It's it's almost like the military, right? In some, very in some much. Sense, yeah. like the, all, all the guns are faced the wrong way. That's all <laughs> it is. Nah, that's a good way to put it damn that is good that is good yeah i like that okay um let's talk about your time in the military real quick uh before we move on uh but your time in the military how was how was that for you did you come out kind of feeling different like what explain that i went in pretty naive uh to life and uh the military life you, you live in a box you live in a nothing about the regular world is real uh, you, you, you don't even get real news. Like the, like, well, we don't get real news out. now. It's fake news. Right. <laughs> right. So what you see on television is already censored for the military. So they get uh, handpicked stories. You don't have a reality. You don't hear all the, the racial issues. You don't see, you don't see reality. You don't see people grinding to eat. You don't see people, you know, dropping out of school. That's unheard of. On an army all you base. see is they like the stories. wars and stuff, huh? That's, That's it. You know, yeah. you hear you hear military news. You see things that are relative to a soldier's life. You know, car commercials and gun commercials, maybe <laughs> cartoons to entertain your children. I mean, you don't you don't see reality. So when I got out, it was a whole new world. I've never understood people being angry at each other for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. Would you recommend uh, people going to the military, like your kids, like? Nephew. You're very cautious on what 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 avenue you go, and if you have, if you can choose, what you can choose when you choose what you want to do in the military, choose something that'll benefit you that you feel what you would like to do forever. Because some careers do do correlate to the free world and or the real world. In the prison, you call it a free world, and in the army, you call it the real world. Um, if you're a pilot in the military, you can be a pilot as a civilian. If you are a cop in the military, you'd be a cop as a civilian. Finance. I've, I've interviewed uh, like two finance military people on here. and, and That's they, the way to go. That is the way. Finance, uh, even like some in the medical field. My godmom was in the in the uh, in the military. I think she did finance, but I'm not sure. She did something. So she gets all the benefits. Like, and everything. I, I've met I've met more special forces and ranger people outside yeah. of the army than I met in the army. Yeah. And I'm like, stop it. You were probably a a bedsheet holder so <laughs> like yeah what was your role you what was your role I, I was an air traffic controller i worked okay. on an airfield and then part of it i had a backpack radio and i call airplanes and they can drop people off of helicopters and stuff okay like, okay it was fun and it and it correlated but like i could have gone out and gotten a hundred thousand dollar your job like that you know as an air traffic controller. you were trying to while you were on bail so you went to school for it <laughs> Right. I went to right. I went to college to do it, uh, and you don't. I didn't have to go to college, but it just you get more money when you go to school. People don't believe that for some reason. You make more money when you go to school. And not, not no more. Sadly, not no more. It's changed. I know what you guess, mean, it, but it, it's changed. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking like federal federal jobs, and like if you go to an airport. And you're an air traffic controller, right? And you have just the certification. They're going to start you around 70. Um, if you have a degree in it, they're going to start you around 100. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. you'll be a management, you have management potential for federal government employment. You know, yeah. and federal jobs yeah. are there for tons of people, especially with this administration. You can get a federal job. At, you can start off making about 35000 40000 doing nonsense work. And in 25 years, you're making 150000 with a retirement for the rest of your life till you die. 
Yeah. Let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about federal jobs. Is your uh, record sponge at all? Anything like so you get one. So because the way the way it works, when you have a wrongful conviction and they let you go, it gives you an opportunity to sue. Right. And that's a big deal. Suing for money and make a million dollars. The city has to pay you a million bucks. And uh, I didn't get it because when they are situations, everybody that had a non-unanimous jury, they went to them and they offered, they said this, if you take a lesser charge and we let you go immediately, you're not, you have to sign this paper that says that you, you will not sue. sue us. Wow. Some dicks. And it stuck. <laughs> yeah. So all of us were like, I mean, after 12 years in jail, uh, yeah. I'm not, I don't care what, I don't care. I don't need the money. Just give let me, me out. let me go. I don't, yeah. Let me go. I'll go live under a bridge. Let me yeah. go. Yeah. Okay. So, um, damn, that sucks. So you can't even retaliate pretty much. That's like, yeah, that's crazy. Okay. So, uh, do you have a job now? I do. I'm a, I'm actually a business development strategist and an account executive for a broadcasting marketing company. That's a fucking huge so, position. Good job. And like fucking yeah. what, five months? You started, you got yeah. out in April. I started my uh, being a realtor in April. So five months. My, 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 the first day of my life was April 1st. Um, I got out and I own a farm right in Texas. You see the TikTok videos of my pet pigs and horses mm-hmm. and things. Um, my neighbor owns a ranch of retired racehorses and about 100 cows. So I became a cowboy. Right, because I have experience doing that. Yeah. Right? People, like I riding horses every day, chasing cows around a field, and through them, I ended up meeting. You know, you don't own a horse if you don't have money. I let you know that. Mm-hmm. So I started meeting people with money, and because I had nothing, I came out. We made four, for twelve years. I made four cents an hour. That's what they pay you as a prisoner, four pennies per hour. So they cannot call it slavery. Um. And we're out there in the fields, you know, growing vegetables by hand, picking vegetables. It's 18,000 acre plantation. You know, at Angola is a massive plantation. They have a thing called the Angola Rodeo where they put inmates in a pit in the arena and they let a bull loose. And whoever can get a poker chip off the bull's forehead, they give them 500 bucks. But it's a spectacle, right? It's like the gladiator games. Exactly. So I saved all that money, all that four cents an hour to come home and buy some farm equipment, buy seeds, started growing vegetables, started working at the ranches, started flipping my money, being very responsible with my money. I wore the same three shirts, a pack of Hanes t-shirts and two pairs of Walmart jeans every day. Well, I ended up meeting somebody who realized that I had a degree and I was very transparent about having been to prison. It's really important if you come out of prison to be transparent with who you are. Don't, Don't fluff it up. Don't, well, you don't look like you went to prison, dude. Like, I don't know what you looked like uh, five months ago, but like, <laughs> I look a little skinnier. I've been eating a lot of. Uh, uh, you look like a hey, cop, like <laughs> I know, undercover cop. Yeah, man. So, uh, I ended up meeting a guy. I work for. I'm not. I'm not going to say his name, but I work for a congressman. And uh, when he heard my story, he was just like, "Holy shit!" I said, "Yeah, that's really what y'all are doing." Mm-hmm. And he said, "That's really well, I want you to." <laughs> <laughs> so, That's funny. So he started. Yeah, he 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 was he was he's encourage. I'm encouraging change in prison reform in the state of Texas, but I'm going to reach back to Louisiana eventually. And I'm still in contact with the guards, the secretary of corrections, the wardens. Uh-huh. They call me. They email me. How are you doing? Um, because it's kind of an experiment letting us all go. Right. Yeah. Some people are gone back already, and some people are doing great. Some people and, gone back already. Yeah, murder for bad. For bad oh my god, Jesus! Yeah. That is so, an experiment. Wow, it's an experiment, you know. And we were in there. I mean, people, you don't realize everybody's human. Everybody idolizes a lot, and they idolize a lot of public figures. And I was mm-hmm. in there with some public figures. I told you earlier, you know, see murder. Me and him are friends. Yeah. You know? Uh, Mac from 504 Boys, me and him are friends. I was in there with Boosie. I was in there with a bunch of these Louisiana rappers. And they're like genuinely good dudes. Like people don't yeah. realize that you know, their music is their music. And some people live part of that. You know, when you live that life, 
that's not necessarily what your life is saturated about. That's just part of your day. You know, you have a business mind. Seymour is a businessman, mm-hmm. you know, his, his big brother is, you know, killing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so. definitely. <laughs> and, and you, and you let me know something that I, I think I knew, but I, I can't remember that Seymour was in the military, which is crazy. Absolutely. So that was my biggest outreach in prison was military uh, veterans in prison, getting them through PTSD counseling, trying to yeah. reach, retrain their brain. I did a lot of self-help. I read a thousand and fifty books while I was in there. I have receipts for them. Jesus. And uh, right, and reading books saved my life. Um, I found uh, a relationship with spirituality of my kind. I'm not going to say jailhouse church, jailhouse religion. A lot of people try to lean on that. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to church in prison. People who went to church in prison nine out of 10 times were going there to hide because they couldn't handle their reality. Okay. Um, that's the safe zone, right? That's, that's, yeah. that's where you go to hide from everybody who might have an opinion that differs. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, went through all that. When I wrote, a, I wrote three laws, one of them got passed uh, by, by one of the senators in Louisiana and through all that connections, I ended up coming out and they realized they'd heard my name or they'd, They'd heard of the programs in Louisiana that we started, and I got this job offer. And through the education that backed me, I have a degree in communication and business management. That's what set me on a track to get a position as a market manager. So okay, yeah, that's cool. Um, I, I was a sales. I was pretty much almost in the same position at Coca Cola um okay yeah and so so i know exactly what uh, business development is and stuff and that's and that's super cool man that's great great job especially to get right out of prison i'm glad you got that opportunity um i want to kind of dive into some some questions um one of them is why the hell do you i guess you don't live there but why (laughs) why do you live so close to louisiana like right (laughs) um having the property here and you know, so Texas is kind of an independent place and the line is real strict. You know, when I moved back home to Texas, I don't set foot in that state of Louisiana. However, once I'm clear and when I file for my pardon, I do plan on holding an address there and getting into their political system and trying to make change because I've left a lot of brothers behind and I want to fix it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you're, <laughs> So you're more staying in the vicinity so that you can actually go back and, and kind of try and change it and stuff like that? Absolutely. Okay. I want to have the story. I want to have a story that goes from soldier to slave to senator. Ooh, that, that's a nice book, man. You should write a, you de- I hope you're writing a book. I have an offer. Somebody's offered me to write it for me. I'm just waiting. Oh, that's good money, man. Yeah. What are you waiting on, though? Just like to add more to it? Uh, That. Uh, to actually uh, concrete my success afterward. Yeah. Right. I, I'm still, I'm still fresh. Like you said, four or five months. And well, bro, you can do, you can do a series though. That, and I, that, that, that's what like, like do the first one. I, and because I've, I just wrote my first book and it, it debuted as number one on Amazon. It's a book on uh, teach, uh, teaching children financial literacy. So I just oh, wrote awesome. a book and then I interviewed a lot of people on here that have wrote books and been pretty successful. And what I hear is that like a lot of people love these series. Right. So like if you did, you know, the first part of your life, right, the soldier uh, and then the prison and then release uh, or, you know, set a date to release that also have the second one coming. And then like, you know, if they buy the first one, they get the second one half off, just something to incorporate the two. Right. I think that could that could do really well for you, man. Really well. We, we might talk. Really? We might get you to write. Help me write a book. <laughs> yeah, man, for real. I, I, I could, I, I, I could show you the way to do it because um, yeah. I actually just wrote mine. Uh, and and there's a lot of tricks and stuff like hiring ghostwriters, uh, getting just people on board. Right. I can teach you all that for sure, for sure. But I think you should definitely write a book. It would be something great that the people inside prison can can read as well, um, because you right. said you you read so many books, so definitely yeah i and you know it's it's just crazy because you're like so close to louisiana so i had to ask and i like for me i'm not really a big texas fan i know you're from there but texas is also pretty strict like in their stuff in a sense so when i got on the parole here so i'm on parole right uh-huh. they, they're t- it's a test it's always uh-huh. a test um i went to the parole yeah, you better stay your ass they, in the house huh? <laughs> they, were, they were like they were like you don't seem like a bad guy i'm like oh i appreciate that 
and then they read my record and they're like you shot a guy in the face <laughs> yeah yeah. Like, yeah you know they were like we thought you were bad checks and i was like yeah no. <laughs> we thought <laughs> you were a forgery <laughs> <laughs> so, uh you know they went a couple months and you know i took the urine analysis and i made my check-ins and then now tech this is texas they said we'll see you in a year wow that's it so wow they said call us if you want to leave the state that's what they thought and texas is huge so yeah and they have everything yeah they do yeah you you literally the only, the only can go from one go side ahead. of texas to the other side and it's a whole different like state right <laughs> the only better place there's only two places that are the same it's california and texas is the mm. only place you can have everything you want in one place true true in california we're like that's way too expensive i just got out of prison right. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, y'all, are, y'all, are, y'all are coming here yeah right <laughs> definitely <laughs> uh cool cool all right i got a few more questions i know you probably got like 20 minutes 15 minutes um let's see uh Okay, now you can be honest with this, or I, I don't know. I want to hear your honest opinion, but sure. do how often do you think about that night? And do you, if you could go back, would you would you change it? Do you regret it? Yeah, I think about it a lot every okay. day. It it affects my life every single day. Every um, day. By you know dealing with guns, dealing with interpersonal relationships. Um. I had a cop come up behind me. I was, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in an Explorer. So I was driving down the highway doing 80. Texas, the speed limit is 85, but I'm doing like 80. And this cop has his lights on and he pulls up behind me. I feel like I'm about to have a heart attack. I'm about to pass out and die. And he just passes me, you know, hey, going to get somebody else. Welcome to the life uh, of a black man. man. <laughs> right. So this is what I was telling you earlier. Like I understand so much more, uh, when it comes, you know, when it comes to a lot of the, the struggle, the strife, the, the grind, mm-hmm. I work 20 hour days. People don't get to understand that. I work 20 hours a day, every single day and a half since I've been home. I, work, I sleep three hours and I have intermittent time with family. And the stress uh, from cops, the stress from, are they going to find out? Um, trying to find, I, I what because of what I look like, they didn't authorize me for food stamps. They didn't give me unemployment. They didn't give me any assistance. And I hit the ground. I had twelve hundred dollars, you know, that I say four cents an hour, and I used that to pay for rent. I got uh, or electric. I didn't have rent. Electric, water, uh, garbage, clothing, everything. And I mean, it was tough. It's it, it was crazy. Would I change it? Um, I did at the time what I thought I was supposed to do. The angry me when I first went to prison said I should have aimed it about an inch lower and just, you know, dead man tell no tales. Mm -hmm. And then the reformed me wishes that I had never stepped foot in Louisiana a day in my life. Yeah. 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 I like, I like how how you, you broke that down. The reformed me. That's good. I like that. Right. I mean, I was very angry at the beginning. You know, I used to be, I wasn't the nicest of people. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty big guy. I, I had, I've had some pretty different encounters. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that's do, not who I am now. Do you think that comes from the military though? A lot of it. So do you a think, lot of what, where, where do you have more PTSD? Is it from the military and everything you witnessed, all the discipline you had to go through or from now, like you, like you said, when a cop, cop, yeah. Prison, Walmart. I can't go to Walmart uh, without having uh, anxiety and going into, if I'm, if I'm working for somebody, Mm -hmm. I have a hard time dealing with uh, the petty people in these businesses. They have, they just create fake drama. Yeah, dude, dude. Oh, yes. Yes. And I know you're like, dude, there's real drama happening in the world. And you want to talk about like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like like in prison, you don't let shit, you can't let shit slide. You can't let anything slide. So you don't let anything, you don't let anything pass you and you don't try to slide on other people. You really stay in your fucking lane. Doesn't matter who you are. But I had one job. I worked for somebody else once besides this. 
and it was some dramatic shit. And this dude said something sly. I said, dude, I said, you really need to check yourself before you come at me sideways. He said, you don't, uh, he didn't know who I was. He didn't know where I came from. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I will slap the fuck out of you. <laughs> I said, talk about it, find out. <laughs> and he looked at me <laughs> and he was like, you're not allowed to talk to me like that. I'm telling. And I was like, I'm telling. I'm telling. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling. So yeah, I would have, and, and in prison, I would have slit his ass right there. Yeah. But I went to the boss with him. Well, he's going to go tell. And I just said, I quit. I can't work with this. This is, this is freaking me out. So I walked out. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. I mean, I just couldn't handle it. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, did you did you end up losing your your like military benefits after this stuff? Mm-mm. Is the military still in su- support of you? One hundred percent. So I maintained contact with them through the situation, and I got out. I get VA benefits and my VA pension. That's amazing, and, uh, man. I'm not getting the pension yet. I'm getting it. It's in process of getting worked up because I did get out due to a medical. I got two concussions and a back injury when I was in the service. So, right. I mean, we went through, we went through some shit. So Mm -hmm. working on that paperwork, trying to get it started, but they pay for my medical care. Thank God, because from prison, from prison, you eat every day. It's beans and rice and noodles and cornbread. That's all you eat. Right. It's like the movie life. Right. It sucks. And hella unhealthy. I got hella unhealthy. <laughs> and I was diagnosed a type one diabetic. I just pulled up a, 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 a article that was written in 2020 and it was like a prisoner at Rayborn who has diabetes. I didn't think that was you. Was that that's you? Oh, yeah. Oh, put shit. that put that spank on him. Yeah, I, t- I, I delete. I mean, I got an exited out of the thing because I didn't know you had diabetes. Wow. I thought it was the wrong person. Mm-hmm. OK. Mm-mm. oh man so how so you got to deal with that every day on top of everything what so do you have to i don't know do you have to inject yourself with insulin is that every, every day? day i have a um a meter oh okay on okay. my arm i don't know if you can see yeah it. i can see it, I can see it. yeah but so this, yeah, it that, seems like a lot man are, are are you uh is 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 the military paying for therapy are you are you are you doing therapy Thank God. Uh, if I didn't have it, insulin, so that's something wrong with America right now is that we're, you know, we're pushing this free COVID shot, not to get into the COVID debate, but we're pushing a free COVID shot for all of Americans to get free COVID because we're going to save them from this disastrous disease that you can't see unless you get tested. And you're not paying for Americans with in, for insulin, which is another thing. It's an awakening for me, the diet disparity inside of our own country creating chronic illness like high blood pressure diabetes chronic heart failure kidney problems and that disparity comes from income disparity which levies a diet predominantly of rice and beans ramen noodles bread cornbread which not to be stereotyping in the south is a predominantly black diet which creates these medical issues because they can't afford the food and they can't afford then after you fuck them over, they can't afford the medicine because my insulin would cost me $1,800 a month. Oh my God. That is insane. That's insane. That's a mortgage payment. Period. And if I had, if I did not have veterans affairs, I would be dead because they didn't approve me for Medicaid. They didn't give me food stamps. They didn't give me uh, unemployment. That's crazy. Yeah, that, that's fucking crazy, man. Um, and you're absolutely right. There's so much to dive into this. Um, like it's huge. So, it's many, so much bigger. So yeah. much bigger than the, 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 the story. Prison man. You know, yeah. So much further. You're the prison guy that looks like a cop. You're the prison. <laughs> you're the undercover prison guy. Right. <laughs> but you didn't really go. Yeah. It was all just a story, man. That's that's what the, the right. news is gonna say. Um, cool, man. I got. I know you got like ten minutes. I got a co- just like a couple more questions. Um, and okay. one of those questions are, um, I don't know if you're allowed to now on pro- probation, but does holding a gun scare you now and bring back memories? I have never held a gun while on pro, pro parole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. True. True. I, I forgot we're recording right now. So my bad. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. We'll, we'll just go to the next question. Uh, so, how, 
I know. Uh, can we talk about your, your situation now? So five months out, you said you you ended up finding this lady, right? I see the car seat in, in the back. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Let, let's go ahead and talk about how you found her and, and the, the kids. Um, and I also want you to kind of explain how do you go about explaining your story and your background to, to those your new daughters? You know. So I haven't with them yet. They're so young. So yeah, obviously, I especially earlier, the two-year-old. I briefed it earlier, you know, I found a spirituality, spiritual relationship. So I started praying, you know, you can call it whatever you want. I'm going to call it God. I started praying and I asked him for relief, release, a wife who had her own job, her own house, kids, everything didn't need me, but actually wanted me. Right. Uh-huh. I wanted a woman who did not need me, but wanted me to be a part of her life. And we met and Within an hour, I felt like I'd known her for years, and I told her everything out front. I was like, this is who I am. I've been home for three, four weeks. Um, it, was, it was great. You know, we had a great dinner. Uh, I didn't throw the move on her, and then a couple of days later, we hung out again, and it was, it was like I, it was just meant to be. It was just so smooth, and she's the perfect woman. She's an RN. She has her own place, her own car. Yeah, Aaron's got little, so. It's <laughs> her own bills. I don't ask her for anything. Um, you know, I, I have I have 50 acres where I live right at the farm, and she has this, you know, big old brick house up here. She's like, look, after a couple of months, she's like, I, I think I'd like you to move in. And I was like, sure, I guess. I mean. Hey, you know, nice. Hey. Yeah. So what are you doing with the acres now? Uh, right now we built a house on it okay. we're building a house for my parents and i'm going to do two crops on it a year farming is not what everybody thinks in fact there's a, a couple of books about uh about farming one of them's uh market farming by a guy from fornay is from canada and there's another one about why blacks should farm it's a very very lucrative business um in the south you know, you can't grow everything everywhere. But in Texas, if you grow uh, 10 acres, of, let's say watermelon, you hire out workers, right? This is my goal. This is my business plan for farming. You can hire out workers, your overhead, you call it uh, 40%. See, you have 40% margin. So you're only going to get 40%. You can grow at least 10,000 watermelons per acre, and Walmart will buy each one for $2. Oh. <sighs> so. Yeah. It takes 90, 90 days of work and you walk out with 80 grand. Yeah. That's crazy. So that, so that's what you're going to do. So yeah, 50 acres, man, you need to buy, uh, I'm into like Airbnb and real estate. So that's cool. You're building a house for your parents. Um, you, you need to build some tiny homes and start renting them out, man. I thought about it. I don't have the market, but we're, we're, we're considering getting into Austin and Dallas because Austin's obviously a hot spot. Yep. But uh, Dallas is, Dallas is a bunch of yuppies that love to waste money. Uh-huh. So I'm thinking why, about why you don't have the market in East. Where are you? East Texas, a place called by Longview, right between Longview and Shreveport. How far are you? What's and the closest big city? Shreveport? Shreveport. Oh, okay. What, what, where's like, right. where's Houston? That's like uh, from you. Two and a half, three, three hours away. Uh, so no one's really visiting where you're at. No, it's no, it's all everybody who lives out here is from out here. Oh, damn. I was going to say, there's like no mountains. Yeah. I don't, I don't, does Texas have mountains? <laughs> uh, yeah, they call it Colorado. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Just drive over. Okay. Uh, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, because it's 50 acres, man. You could do a lot. So uh, so your parents, uh, I remember you said your dad flew in from Afghan. Uh, he was still in the military. Your, your mom's a school teacher. Um, are they still doing those two things? Are they retired now? Uh, mom retired and dad dad met the love of his life and moved to guam wow crazy yeah (laughs) damn he was like i hate america man because coming from africa he's like (laughs) he's capping out he said he can't he doesn't he doesn't so my dad was the equal opportunity and affirmative action representative for the army right for years and Uh for a couple of businesses right and he's a 68 year old obviously white man and he came over to visit me and he was verbally attacked at a grocery store about being an old white racist. And he's like, I wrote the paperwork for equal opportunity. 
Yeah. Wow. Why was so he attacked? Like, well, like just random. It was all this random at the grocery. Yeah, there's a cashier talked said he was being rude. Mm. I, I think he was talking to his wife, but he was like, "I'm not comfortable anymore. I'm not going to be here anymore." He goes, wow. "I'm just going to go back and retire." Yeah. Fuck it. He's yeah, like, yeah. I, he's like, I was, I'm part of the movement. He goes, why would they, because they don't know. Some people need to realize that uh, just old people are grumpy and that's just how they talk. And they're not always racist, right. but you got to be able to right. separate the two. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, there's just grumpy old people, man. Come on. Right. Um, right. I, but, was, I felt bad for him, you know, because he, he, he can't defend himself that age. Yeah. You know, not even verbally. You can't think fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, Guam, Guam sounds fun though, especially right now with all our bullshit going on. So, uh, yeah, definitely cool. Beach paradise over there. Facts, facts. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, that's pretty much it, man, that I have. And I, I this is crazy, man. Like I said, we could talk for another five hours. Um, is there anything else that you want to tell the audience? Um, like where can they keep up with you? What, what are you, what are you doing next? What's the next? Well, one? so right now I'm trying to get. I got to tow my way into politics. The next election cycle is coming up. Um, I'm going to be looking for supporters for my pardon because I have in Texas, you have to be pardoned to be able to run for politics. Um, when I start making that move, I want to have a grassroots campaign. I plan on creating an LLC or a non 501c3. And I'm looking for partnerships because I want to call it vibrant. And what I want to do is go through inner city neighborhoods, collect, you know, I've talked to Lowe's, Home Depot, all these companies are all willing to help donate. Uh, supplies and time and go through these neighborhoods that have, have older people in them, your grandparents, my grandparents, everybody's grandparents, and repaint their houses, cut their grass, clean it up, just clean it up, you know, get their property values higher. So whenever they, if and when they do pass, their kids can benefit from either having a nice house or a house they can sell at a better value. So it's not just this gentrification movement that's going by these people from Dallas or San Francisco or all these places where people are trying to buy the poor neighborhoods. Let's just fix the poor neighborhoods. Let's fix the neighborhoods with the less income and with old people. When are you going to do that, dude? I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that. I love that. So um, Cause I love real estate I started, and I love helping people. I started the movement. Uh, when I first got home, me and a couple of guys from prison, one of them is named who you need to talk to. His name is Charles Rogers. He was in the movie called serving life. He lives in California, in Florida right now. <clears throat> he's a he's an HVAC sales specialist, but we were both in hospice. He did a movie for Oprah and Forrest Whitaker from Angola. Wait, what? Probably, why, why is he so big? <clears throat> he's what? just the, probably the best man I've ever met in my life. Charles Rogers. I I got a football player that popped up. How else can I find? <laughs> R O D G E R S. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe HVAC. What? HVAC salesman, you said? HVAC, yeah. Uh, you can look up the movie. Uh, Rogers Life. Heating and Cooling? No, is it Colorado? Uh-uh, Florida. Uh, Miami. Wrong person. All right. Well, I'll have to find him. But anyways, whoa, okay. information. great yeah, yeah. guy. Look up the movie. Look up the movie uh, The Farm about Angola. And then look up the movie Serving Life if you want to learn about inmates helping inmates with hospice. Okay. Serving life documentary. Yeah. 2011. Okay, cool. And, and he, you said you got, he's helping you. Uh, well, he's one of my mentors. He's, he's probably the greatest man I've ever met. <laughs> nice. Nice. Cool. Yeah, man. Uh, let me know that that's who, are you going to expand to other, to other uh, cities and states? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I'm going to start here to see if I can get grassroots going and then move yeah. Hopefully, not not necessarily franchise it, but get get it seated in other places because we can't take care of ourselves without taking care of ourselves. Yeah, no, I already got a couple of cities in mind for here: Vallejo, Richmond, um, Oakland. Well, I mean, they're they're gentrifying Oakland out here, but there's a couple parts that they're they're kind of skipping out on. Um, right. So yeah, no, definitely that's super cool, man. Well, I appreciate you coming up here, Chris um yeah if if the audience is interested in, in learning more and stuff and i mean i believe i'm looking at your your stuff online right now they have your whole court case on here uh so they can google it right i told uh, you it's, you can google me you can look yeah. at it you can 
add me on uh, TikTok or Facebook or whatever. Yeah. So uh, Charles Marlowe, um, just type in Louisiana and you know, his stuff will pop up. Uh, appreciate you, man. For real, this was this was super cool, and I, I definitely want to stay in contact. I have your number. I'll save it. Um, and obviously TikTok and stuff. So. All right. All right, man. Have, have a good day. And uh, hey, appreciate your time. Yeah. Enjoy that water burger. Hi. Uh oh. I'm starting to think that you in trouble, pal. Believed in the team, and it seems we starting to bubble now. <laughs> Whole enemies trying to come around, but I just leave them Los Angeles, Southern Cal. My fans say my lines the sickest metaphors. I got metaphors and sixes. Yeah, I'm on my grind to get it. Porn star going hardest in my job description. Uh huh. See, after school is when the lessons start. So even punctuation couldn't question mark. Enjoy the crazy ride, we won't never park My pilot is to blame for the flame, I just set the spark <laughs> We updated the roster, in the city of Indianapolis Created a monster, first to make it from this place I'ma take it and conquer, they'll laugh in they face Cause they hate when we prosper Shout out to my fans, we made it look easy Buzz around the underground, it's time to take it to TV Believe You have no idea what's about to happen to you. Los, Los, uh. I'm trying to push the red line to the Bentley and shiver. Then take the top back like an Indian giver. Indian's cap with the wide smile. Your girl see my style, give me the high brow. The cash out, I follow you to Moscow. Don't make me lash out like the follicles under eyebrows. Rollies got me sick with ridiculous rage I'm trying to switch the faces like Travolta and Nicolas Cage Rats my playground and I'm a dinosaur These was just my monkey bars, bars that I was sliding boy Keep your asses out the deep end I still advance at a standstill without a knee bend I used to write right with my left left when my right was sore Now I just left left the pin there, I don't write no more it ain't right no more what's, what's left to do If you could write what I don't have to write What would be left to you? Sickest rapper living Glad to see him learn I couldn't catch the flu Cause it ain't wanna have me in return Los Yeah Fly America Fly high, get flown over We don't catch feelings, we catch flights Uh